0: There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What did he say? That's what she said! When you think about running through the team at Nathan Stadium for the first time this Saturday, think
1: that give you a little bit of chicken skin?
0: What? A chicken skin,
1: you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a Southern right. boy. You got no idea. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. morning afternoon evening brunch time lunch time again you will not believe the story of trying to put together this podcast time football time in tennessee time though march madness time in tennessee time lady vols won a postseason game time whatever time of day it is it's the right time for the go vols 24 7 podcast west rucker patrick brown coming to you from not the fort rucker studio and I would call it normally the Fort Rucker Sun Room, but Bramy has decided that it's going to be named after whatever the weather is like there that day. So right now it's dark outside, so it's the Moon Room, I suppose. If this were Game of Thrones, there would be a Moon Door, but Patrick doesn't know Game of Thrones, so... I don't sue me. Don't know what the, the Moon Door is. But the reason why we're doing this podcast right now and why you haven't heard a basketball podcast this week is because... Right now, uh, believe it or not, in, in my arms as we are recording this podcast, I am holding my parents' dog. His name is Wrigley, named after the greatest baseball stadium in the history of the world. He is what I would call an interesting dog. He loves me. He,
0: he's a dog who hates most people, which, yeah. does that even qualify as a dog? Because... Those of you who have dogs out there, and I'm sure there are many of you, your dogs probably love most people. Like, I have a golden retriever. She weighs 80 pounds. She's overweight. Um, she's not, like, obese. We
1: wouldn't say that to her face.
0: No, I tell her that all the time. She's she's chunky. Um, but she thinks she's a lap dog. And yes, okay, when new people come over or people come to the house, she gets excited. She'll bark. She has a really, she's, a, she's a girl, but she has a really deep, low bark. Yeah. But after the first few barks, she's a dog, and she you're the best thing ever. This dog, when I came in here, barked me down. He would not back down as I tried to enter the, the, the temporary studio.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. His reaction to you, 10 times better than his reaction to Raimi. <laughs> boy, he did not like. he Whatever, something about Raimi, boy, they just Grant's didn't.
0: Not a, Grant's not a pet person either, so maybe mm. that's the difference.
1: Yeah, he, he's not. But see, the deal is, this dog right here, he, he loves me. He loves my dad. He loves my brother. And pretty, I offered to hold him. Pretty much everyone else in or the get world get acquainted,
0: and you were like, "Eh, it's, it was it was like it was like Brian Fantana in Anchorman. He is a live bear. He will yeah.
1: literally rip your face. off. He will off. literally rip your face <laughs> off." Uh, and this is despite taking his puppy Prozac, by the way. Which you want to see him without that? Oh boy! Yesterday, the uh, had to go to the pharmacy, and the because uh, he sits right next to me when we're driving. So we go to the drive-through. And the poor woman at the pharmacy thought it might be a good idea to try to reach near the car to pet this adorable little dog because he's a cute little guy and uh, did not go well. Uh, I rolled the window up to prevent carnage. So, yeah, and and the reason why it's even funnier is because right now we've got uh, the construction going on at the house that we've talked about, you know, for a while that's been going on. It's still happening. And so when Ramey and I tried to record the basketball podcast on Thursday morning, we had the construction noises going on. They had, like, some sort of a—it um, sounded like a saw, but it's not a saw. They are probably using it to level the floors to, to put—because this is a really old house—leveling the floor to put the new floor down. Really loud machinery. And every time that machinery goes off, uh, Riggles decides that he's going to um, want to, to just kill everything. And so that would happen. And then that gets Prince Michael, a.k.a. Crime Dog, barking. And then when that happens, the cat decides he's going to get in on the fun. And he may or may not just pee on something in anger. So today, while we were trying to record the podcast, we tried three or four times and tried to put Riggles in the room in, my, in our the spare bedroom that we're using as our master bedroom right now temporarily. Did not work. A lot of yipping, a lot of barking. I tried to hold him like I am right now, which would be fine, until either the machine started going off upstairs, which you could hear very loudly, or Grant started talking. Uh, he and Grant, not, not so good. So he basically said, ah, screw it, we'll just go to basketball practice and we'll, we'll figure this out later. So between all of that that's, that, that's what's going on here right now. And right now I'm holding him. He's being very docile. Uh, but I would not extend your arm, your left arm in particular, any closer this way. I think this is the force field. These parameters have been set. Uh, He is very protective of uh, me for some reason, even though I am a 200, whatever, 30-pound human. He is a 6-pound, 7-pound little ball of white fur. But uh, he and and Prince Michael, both surprisingly angry dogs uh, because Prince Michael was named Crime Dog after he launched at somebody. So uh, we've got some vicious little dogs going on right now here. Uh, some barking, Uh, so that's why right now, you're hearing this on Friday morning, we're recording this Thursday night, but that's why we're probably going to wait until after Tennessee's game at Auburn on Saturday, I'm guessing, to do uh, a basketball podcast for this week. But we will go quickly into the football talk, because it seems weird, because it's a little earlier than usual, but spring football is here in in Tennessee, Uh, it, it is live, it is live and in color, we saw it. Uh, on Thursday, there was the first practice of the spring. Jeremy Pruitt was out there. Uh, T. Martin, Jim Chaney out there. A lot of new players out there. Derek Ansley. Derek Ansley, defensive coordinator out there. Uh, some, a lot of new faces. And apparently every football coach in the state of Tennessee, the high school level, also oh. there. Large coaches clinic going on. But the bottom line is, uh, it is football time in Tennessee again. And, and I got to tell you, Pat, we got a lot to talk about from, from this so far. Pruitt spoke with us after practice. But it seemed to me like Pruitt um, pretty happy for the first day. Uh, and he said something that, that really caught my eye was that things went so well offensively that they were able to end practice early, which they almost never do. And I'm thinking in my head, you got a new coordinator. You're running some, some slightly new stuff offensively. you got a new wide receivers coach. Your wide receivers coach from last year is now your running backs coach. Uh, there's there's a lot of different things going on. There's some new players out there, but for them to, to, to do all that efficiently enough to end practice early, that I mean, gotta be an optimistic first step, right?
0: Yeah, and know, they've got a lot of guys coming back on offense too. They've got a, they really only lost I mean they had what two seniors that were part of the the deal, Keller Christ and, and Madre London were their seniors. They were both kind of backup guys. Madre London was basically a non factor last two months of the season yeah you don't have trey smith anymore he was there uh he was dressed like he was practicing he was not practicing he was in cleats he was in his even, jersey even had the gloves on um and he's out there so we're chance Sauls. good to see him out there yeah it was um tanner and out there as well another guy that's had to uh hang it up for injury issues but um a lot of guys coming back drew richmond's another guy that, that was moving on from this offense but every pretty much everybody else is back there every wide receiver that caught a pass he's back um their top two running backs and a couple other guys from that backfielder back. Jared Garantano is is obviously back as well, and um, so there's some you know these guys have this isn't their first rodeo with the spring practice. So, um, and, and Pruitt has talked a couple times this offseason about there being some sort of uh, I don't say carryover, but there's been some you know some things that Jim Cheney's is going to do that isn't exactly a foreign language to what compared to what Tennessee did last year. So there's going to be some carryover, not as much carryover as Pruitt said. There was a lot of carryover with the defense, which you would expect, same system, mm-hmm. second year. Uh, you wonder and, 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 you wonder and, if – Yeah,
1: Ansley runs the same stuff as yeah. Pruitt. They're from the same tree. You,
0: you wonder if that's going to help some of these guys play faster. Um, and so, yeah, but I, I think that's a good first step. And, and I thought when Pruitt was on Feinbaum earlier this week and, and he said this too, um, talking uh, – I think it was the answer to your question when he was talking about his coaching staff. He said, what's the difference going into your second year? He's like – you know, we're not having to change as much stuff. We've set, you know, the foundation is sort of in place yeah. about what you want your program to look like on a day-to-day basis for your players. Um, it's not new for everybody. It's new for the new guys, but the new those new guys have guys that have been here just kind of show them, hey, here's what we do. Here's how we do this. Here's how yeah, we dress. Not, not everyone's having to learn yeah. to swim at the same time. Yeah, and you're not trying to establish what you want. It's in place now, and now you can um, focus on getting your players better. And the other part of that, too, is... Um, you know this roster. Uh, you're you're not trying to tinker with it and moving a good dozen guys around like they did last spring. I don't think you're going to see that. You might to see some guys, and there were some guys in different positions today, but um, you're not. Gonna, I don't think you're going to see a, an, an overwhelming number of position changes like you saw last year. And I think that's an indication that uh, that Pruitt and and his staff know this roster. They have a better grasp on what guys can and can't do and where they can best help. And so now it's it's all about player development. I think that's what that's what spring practice is all about is is players getting better individually and. And you hope if, if players are getting better individually, then collectively your team will be better.
1: Yeah, the, I, I wish there was a, a, a sort of a more you know politically correct way to say this. I don't really think there is, but when, when you've got you know that old saying is when you've got some of those some of those guys that, that are the um, you know new guys that are trying to learn. But the old guys are trying to learn the system too. You kind of hear that, you know, the deaf leading the blind. It's, it's kind of no,
0: like. So it's like saying everybody's a freshman.
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's a better way to say it. It's like every, you know, the people who were normally would learn are also having to learn at the same mm-hmm. time. So, so so it's it can be a little bit different. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. Pruitt said that he didn't really want to talk about last year anymore, um, which makes sense on some level because, you know, focus on the future now. You, you can't go back and play. Uh, Vanderbilt in Missouri again you know you got to focus on playing those guys this season but uh, I, I, I like kind of it seems like there's a bit maybe more of a comfort level now with Pruitt uh, you know I, I think he he just kind of you know last season he was pretty good at you know kind of faking it until you make it I, I think he was able to kind of keep calm you know he'd been around ball his whole life you know his father's a great high school football coach in the state of Alabama uh, you know he played college football he, he's all you know then he became a coach he's always been around the game and so he'd seen a lot of the best in the business at different levels handle themselves. So he kind of just kind of went on about that. But there were a lot of things that were different for him. And and I think now after a year, he just kind of, you know, the proof will be in the pudding when they go out there and play. But it just seems like he has more of a comfort level with things. And and I feel like you know Cheney's given him a bit of a bit of a lease on life, a new one offensively. I think he he trusts Cheney a lot and he lets Cheney run a lot of that stuff. He said that he sat in some meetings mm-hmm. and that Cheney always runs things really efficiently. Keeps it and, simple, and, and, easy to understand. Yeah, yeah, you know, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. And, uh, you know, it's football, not physics. And, and he goes out there and, and he he teaches things in a very easy-to-understand way um, but that are technically correct, you know. Getting guys, we're speaking kind of like the European football now, but, you know, technically good, you know, mm-hmm. want to have everything in place, you, this foot goes here, that foot goes there. Your elbows too high, your elbows too low. You know, move your frame this way. Little things like that, and, and he's really good at. And so, I think probably Garantano having another season under his belt probably helps that too, because you know when you're in, when you're in individual periods, you know your upperclassmen kind of in each position, your best players which are usually the same thing but not always, those guys kind of set the tone for the individual periods. But when you get into team periods, I mean, it's kind of like you've got the the quarterback setting the tone offensively and then you've got kind of maybe your Mike linebacker and and a couple of your safeties that are sort of setting the tone defensively. And you you see different things like if a Barnett's out there at the end, he'll he'll set the tone. But in general, you know, that's the important thing. And with this team right now, when you think about it, there's a quarterback who has experience there is a Mike linebacker who has plenty of experience and you've got at least one safety back there, a warrior who has a lot of experience. So the heart, the heartbeat on both sides of the ball is experienced more this season. And I think that might lead to more efficient practices. It might lead to more efficient, um, just sort of teaching on a daily basis. And I, and I think it's one day they haven't even put on the freaking pad yet. Although they were wearing those funky looking helmets, um, you know, the, the safety helmets that, that, linemen and, and contact players have to wear now in in those padless practices but you know football's played in pads but I think that's a good sign for sort of where things are there just seems to be more I don't want to say it wasn't structured last season but there's even more structure now and it just feels like Pruitt's a little more comfortable in his own skin the players are a little bit more comfortable it just seems like things were going pretty well i mean we only saw part of practice but the parts we saw look fine and and then apparently when we left it looked pretty good too
0: yeah i I think um you know it's it was the first day of spring. you always you know it's the first day of something you always there's always going to be some sort of something that makes it a first day typical first day you hear that a lot of times today felt like it didn't feel like a first day it felt like they had been doing this for a couple weeks um and and i think these players now know how these practices are going to be run i think those uh, the way that this staff practices is a complete difference from how the other staff practiced. Um, and I think that took some adjustment. Uh, there's a lot of reps. Lot Pruitt's of reps. not on a microphone. Pruitt's not on a microphone. He's over there coaching the cornerbacks is what he's doing. Um, and, and, you know, it was intense. You saw – we, we got to see some competition today with yeah. uh, the cornerbacks doing some stuff with the wide receivers. Pruitt was very involved in that. Um, and, you know, just – you don't have a lot of time if you're a player to, to sit uh, – between reps i mean you're going you've got about 10-15 seconds while the other guy goes and then you're you're going again the offensive line rep you know those things were a little bit different i didn't see them they, they sort of do half line drills but look like they had three different groups going
1: yeah I on, think, on each
0: side of, of of the line so i thought that was interesting i think
1: they were doing that to get each guy more reps individually
0: yeah, that's 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 the whole that's what the staff is all about and that's what that's what Pruitt has taken from working for Nick Saban and Mark Richt and two Jimbo spot, Fisher. Two-spot,
1: four-spot. Two-spot
0: everything, and you want guys to get a lot of reps so that they develop. Um, and this time of year, that's what it's about. That's how they practice in the spring, that's how they do a lot of their stuff in camp. And um, that's a reason why it's a big spring for a lot of guys, like a J.J. Peterson, who showed up late. When he, when he was here going through practice last year, they would get a little bit of individual work in, and then it was scout team stuff. And it's hard to learn a defense that way. And so yeah. – um that's why it's important you know this is an important spring for a guy like him to sort of get um a a chance to get in the defense and get reps playing in this defense and understanding the scheme so um but yeah i think you're i think you're right it 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 didn't feel like a first day uh it felt like they had been practicing for a little while yeah to to me it's the tempo was really you know good yeah i i I... it wasn't perfect i'm sure i'm sure he'll go back and he
1: said there were some quarterback you know center exchanges that that weren't great and Maybe some handoffs that weren't a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were some first day stuff, but you know, it's. I've said this before. When when you are a program like Tennessee, not historically, but where where Tennessee is right now, you are playing in the Southeastern Conference. Where if you put together congratulations, a top fifteen or top twelve class or whatever it is, that that guarantees you nothing because the people ahead of you that you're trying to catch, a lot of them are having better recruiting classes than that. So. That puts such a paramount on every single day, every single rep. You know, anytime these guys go out there and have a bad day, when you think about it like this, anytime they go out there and have a bad day, and an Alabama or Georgia or Florida or whoever has a good day, that gap widens. You have to be so good every day in order to get where you want to go. You know, and, and you have some talent, probably don't have – Top to bottom, as much talent as those programs have still, I think we can all admit that if we're being honest. And that doesn't mean you don't have a chance, but that means that every day is important. And so that that's what makes me happy when you look there the first day of practice and, and you see a guy like, um, you know, Warren Burrell. You're like, okay, let's see what you've got. Uh, go guard Marquez Callaway. One-on-one, everybody's watching. And then if he if, if he dusts your tail up and down the field, here, here's Juwan Jennings. Here's Brandon Johnson, you know. they just keep throwing guys at him and saying, what can you handle? Let's see if you've got this. Because this isn't seven-on-seven sitting around there in the complex. uh, And it's still not pads yet, but there's people watching. There's pressure on. Let's see what you got, kid. You know, hey, uh, guess what? Uh, Here's some of these new linemen. Uh, Wanya Morris, uh, why don't you try to go up against this this third or fourth-year player here? Let's see what you got. Can you hold him off? Uh, I, I like stuff like that. Because when you're just going good on good all the time and you're not letting guys develop, you're, you're not, you're just putting yourself back. Because to some extent, we know what some of these older guys can do. We need to see what some of these younger guys can do. And I think that's important, it, is they every single day that these guys don't have a good practice, the gap either widens or stays the same. And you 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 can't catch it. You know, it's like that whole elephant one bite at a time thing. Every day that you don't get better, you're falling behind. So I think that's why people say, like, oh, it's just a first day. No, no, I, it's important. If Pruitt is happy with the first day, because most coaches get a little bit happier after they say film, you know, they're because they're kind of, eh, something's bothering them, and then they watch film and they go, oh, that wasn't too bad. That's how most practices go. But when he's out there saying, I thought that was pretty good, I, I think that's a pretty good sign because this guy doesn't fluff around. I mean, this guy's out there, if he likes it, he says it, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. So I, I think – it's a good first sign. Now we see if they can build on it.
0: Yeah, and and I think if you if you are Jeremy Pruitt, and, and I think I I don't know if I made the comment here or if it was in something I wrote, but he, he sounded like a more confident coach. He sounded like he has a much better grasp on where his program is, um, and I'm sure he knows that they have a long way to go. But I mean, uh, it looked more like an SEC football team out there today than it has. And I feel like we say that all you know every year, but uh, you see guys that. Uh, third- and fourth-year guys who look completely different than they have. Um, and you see some of these new guys that look the part um, well, already. Well, just think,
1: think about where they were last spring. They were so, so bad last spring. They just didn't have – They didn't have any numbers. They didn't have numbers. They didn't have a lot of size. They the, didn't – Yeah, size. I mean, just um, – I walked off that field that day, the first day of spring practice last year and the first day of preseason camp, and I told anyone who would listen to me, boy, I don't know if this is a bowl team. I just don't know if this team. And we don't know if this is a bowl team. No, we don't. But what I'm saying is it's not so obvious that I'm saying that after the first day, which is what I was doing last year saying, boy, this is going to be a long year. I'm not, I'm maybe I'll get there and, you know, come back to me in a week or two. I might say, Oh God, this still doesn't look like a bowl team. But at last year, the first day of spring was, was terrible. And and the first day of preseason camp was, was still not very good. and, You just – they didn't have a lot. And I think right now, considering it's spring and that some guys aren't even there, some guys who normally would be playing are getting held out when they would play in preseason camp. Some other things like that, some little health stuff. You got more freshmen and JUCOs coming in this summer that are going to help out. They just look physically better right now, I I think.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, you see some of the work that some of these offensive linemen have done, and that's a position, obviously, that's going to have a lot of concern um, after how they played last year. Um, but you're not going over, to overhaul that overnight. And I've said this before, there were too many games last year where you saw Tennessee's offensive line, and then you saw the other team, the other SEC team, trotted out there. Uh, it was just, like, staggering. Now, Missouri's offensive line, they, those guys are huge by any stretch. Those guys would be a big NFL – those guys would be big that, that compared was, to an NFL that, offensive that was,
1: line. That was a Wisconsin-sized offensive line.
0: But you look at what they're doing and what Tennessee had, and it was like, why are these teams even playing in the same, like, level – yeah. I mean and and you know and we've seen some of these guys put in a lot of hard work um t- to get bigger Nathan Niehaus is up over 300 pounds he's put on 40 pounds since last year
1: noticeably bigger yeah
0: Marcus Tatum is uh 310 312 I think he's listed at 308 we've his his which, journey, is, a, which is
1: a scientific marvel that his, he's been able to his, do that
0: his journey from I think Ryan and I'm sorry to bring Ryan up at a podcast he's not here um, he can't
1: defend himself. Um, Which is normally the best position said that I think Tatum was under two fifty at his official visit,
0: um, and, and that was the biggest, maybe the biggest shortcoming of of the previous regime is just the shortcomings and the complete failure in the strength and conditioning program. And now you see guys like that getting bigger in a year. You see guys like Shane and Reed who look unrecognizable.
1: Yeah, to me, he was the single most unrecognizable <laughs> player. Now maybe I'll go back and look at some of these pictures. Guys took like seven hundred pictures or something today, so I might go back and look and see. Some guys who I went, wow, he also looks different. But to me, he was the guy. no it may not mean anything, but just physically looking at him, I mean, he no longer looks like a kind of four-three right, outside yeah. backer. He, he looks like a guy who could play he, linebacker.
0: He, d- he didn't look like like guys like Batuli and Kirkland and, and Will Egnot did. Those, you know, we we look at those guys, and I know Kirkland's had his knee issues, and um, at this point, if he's not going to go through spring, you wonder what his future is going to be. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute, but. Um, Reed didn't look like those guys. He didn't look like an SEC linebacker like some of those guys did. He does now. Yeah. I mean he, he, he looks is, like he's every bit of two now He looks like now. he has lived in the weight room. Um and even some of these freshmen, you know, D'Angelo Gibbs looks like he's been in a college weight room for two years. Uh he looks like you you what you see him standing next to Ramel Keaton, who's a new guy, and you can tell who's been in you can easily say, hey, that guy's been working out at an SEC. Workout program, nutrition plan for two months. Uh, you know, Wanya Morris looks the part already. Jalen McCullough is a big, big guy. Yep, he he looks like he's every bit of two hundred. Um, I'm trying to think who else I, I pointed out today. Karad uh, well, Garland's over three hundred pounds. Now, even some of these defensive linemen, they've put on a lot of weight in on the, on that side of the ball. Now we'd have no idea if those guys can play, but guys like John Mincy, uh, Matthew Butler's bigger, Garland's bigger we have no idea if these guys can play and you may not know for a few weeks and you probably won't, you know, that, that position is going to be hard to evaluate this spring because it's not full because I got a couple of Juco guys coming in um, and you don't know what you're going to get out of, you know, if Aubrey Solomon's going to be available or what. But just physically it looks like this team has, has benefited from having a year in the weight room to develop with a, you know, a system in place and um, and, and we'll just have to see if those guys can kind of continue to, to do that.
1: Yeah, you know, we, we've mentioned this before, but but what Pruitt calls it the same thing Saban does. They're called critical factors at each position. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't recruit a guy who kind of size-wise isn't quite perfect, but he just plays to that size. But in general, if they're out there in a 3-4, Pruitt wants at least three of those four linebackers to be somewhere between 6-2 and 6-4 and somewhere between 235 and 245 it's, it's, pounds. It's a,
0: it's a cookie cutter for especially yes. on the defense. You if know, you, on the you, offense, you can take guys of different sizes. Yeah, and go go look and at and Alabama's
1: d- defensive yeah. players by position and look at how much
0: they're all within the same ten-pound yeah, range.
1: And and now, you know, so if Pruitt walked in there and saw a bunch of 225 pound linebackers, you know, he's gonna roll his eyes and go, no chance. Because to to play they want to play, unless you're just preternaturally gifted with ridiculous strength. <laughs> or you're so fast you can get away with it, um, you know, it's force, mass acceleration, all that stuff. You're just going to get run over at the point of attack if you're not a certain size, generally. And so a guy like Reed getting bigger like that, uh, it, it gives you a chance to play. Whereas mm-hmm. before, and I think... Same with the offensive you, line, and, and too. I think Solon Page has gotten a little bigger, too. I mean, some of those guys have, have put on some weight. And you can tell, I mean, J.J. Peterson has, you know, I think he's still in the transformation. There's no question about it. But he looks physically better than he did last season. And Tennessee's still not at a point where it's rolling in, you know, bringing in seven or eight, you know, Corvair's couches, you know, athletically every year. I mean, they're they're not quite there yet. They're trying to do that because you look at a guy like, you know, you look at a guy like, you know, Crouch now, and you go, hmm, yeah, that's the kind of guy they want to recruit. That's a dude. That's what they look like. This kid rolls in here, what, 6'3", 235 or something almost. Uh, Crouch? Which?
0: Yeah. He's listed six one two forty two, and that looks about right. He's not is the he, tallest is, is, guy. Is he listed at 6'1"?
1: He's not I thought the tallest guy. Tall but he
0: he's he's he looks quite large.
1: Yeah, and, and he moves around pretty well at that size too and and you could tell that he, you know, when they're doing the linebacker pass catching drills for interceptions, he's a little bit smoother than a lot of the others cuz yeah. he's played offense just very recently. And
0: these guys the staff is is huge on guys that play both ways. You talk about it. They want football players. They talk about it a lot with some of the guys in the secondary. Um you know if you, and Pruitt's Pruitt's adage is if you played with the ball in your hands, you're used to playing the ball in the air and you're used to having good ball skills and that's what, that's what they want. And that's what a lot of
1: these guys, and if you, in the secondary and, that if you they have. and if you don't intercept the ball at the high school level, you're not going to intercept it at the college level. <laughs>
0: and so I imagine that there were times last year where, you know, Nadja warrior had like what, like five interceptions hit him in the hands. Uh, schemed,
1: schemed up perfectly. Yeah, and, he made the perfect break on the ball. He was great right play where he individual play.
0: Can't make, can't finish the deal. So you know,
1: he'd been coached so well and he, and he, Followed the plan and he was right where he needed to be and just could not catch and the football. And that probably
0: has to drive pretty crazy, but it it goes to show that you know they have what they want on. You know they have what you said you talked about with Saban: critical factors, things that um, that they want that you can kind of uh, take guys and play them in multiple spots. They want Crouch to be a guy that can play all four positions on on at linebacker which they, they want, call
1: yeah i call them a four for four they
0: want you know they want defensive backs who can hit like safeties and cover like corners and you know fill them in where you can play your fast five uh they like a lot line, they they like they, a lot yeah. of
1: Volante taylors
0: yes uh i'm sure you know, we'll get to him in a minute too but um something else that he said after practice that i thought was has to be really um we should not ignore is what he said about this this group of newcomers these group of early enrollees mm-hmm. um because a lot of times you'll hear coaches say, "Yeah, we're excited about them, but we need to we need to temper you know we need to pump the brakes. We need to have our expectations." He's was saying, "Hey, these guys don't look like freshmen a lot of the time. Done a good job of, of transitioning to to being in college, and these guys are supposed to still be in high school." Also,
1: and, a nice humble brag for their recruiting efforts. Which I don't well, think that's that, I don't I don't think that's the intention, but it's 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 not arrogance. It's, but, com- it's I mean, confidence. But that's, that's, he's saying we're getting the guys that we want now.
0: And, and that's why I think a lot of these guys are going to end up playing. They may not all start, but they, I think a lot of them will have sizable roles or potentially can, can help because the staff knows them better. Um, and these guys, um, you know, I, I think we could see a lot of these guys play some roles as freshmen just because the staff is familiar with them. They know what they are. They know how, to, how they need to develop and where they can get better. And um, for him to say that, you know, some of these guys, you know, they don't look like freshmen. It's easy to get overwhelmed. You know, when you're coming to college early and you should still be in high school. But he said he hasn't really seen that a whole lot from these guys. So, um, and they're not going to have a couple of them. We won't get, I'm not sure how much we'll get to see of Eric Gray. Um, I think they'll probably keep it safe with him coming off shoulder surgery. Tyus Fields is coming off. Um, he had ankle surgery in December. And he kind of told, I think, Ryan back in December that he would probably miss maybe up to four months potentially. So uh, he may not be a guy we see really on the field until. Um, well, I guess Pruitt said he could be back late, in, late in spring. So we'll have to see if that if that happens. And, and Chris Apparigane, the um, offensive uh,
1: lineman, is that just a guess? How confident are you that you got that name right?
0: Uh, I feel pretty confident. The K in his name is silent, so it's Apparigane. And, and I've heard the staff say it. and I've heard Ryan say it enough times to I feel like I feel like am pretty confident. But he's going to miss a couple practices to start off with uh, after having a knee deal. So um we won't get to see I all of these freshmen say
1: that when they say yeah he's got a knee like well, that, he that, said the that, other day that, that it was that, a procedure but no no i mean but how they that when they say like they don't yeah, say like, yeah. he's got knee injury he's got a knee he's like got, well, yeah i got right. one too yeah. i got i got a couple yeah. of them
0: so but you know we won't get to see all these guys but um you know jackson lowe's another guy i mentioned i should have mentioned him earlier the tight end he looks he's over 250 pounds 250 pounds already looks like he can play right away he probably has no idea how to block anybody uh, yeah, phys- and they got to work on that. But physically
1: reminds me a little bit of the way Wolf looked when he came yeah, in a little bit, and, and, w- know, Wolf the older,
0: not the younger one, not the younger the, Wolf, the, the older Wolf, the younger Wolf that Jeremy Pruitt thought was a manager. Yes, saw him last year,
1: who's now at Georgia, but yeah, uh,
0: I think he's still at Tennessee. I think he's still finishing up some academics. Well, things. he's going but to play. Yeah, but yeah, you're, yeah, no, you're right. But um, yeah, and you know, we, we just you know we got to see um, you know how these cows can can develop, and I think I think that's a big story for this spring. Because uh, you look at a guy like Yeh, they need him. <laughs> they need him to be their left tackle right away. It's a yeah. tough spot for a freshman, but more and more freshman offensive linemen are coming in and doing well. If you're,
1: you'd feel a lot better if, with him at right tackle than left if, tackle. But such, you, such is life.
0: If you are good enough to play, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter what freshman you know, what class you are.
1: Michael Munoz started as a left tackle at Tennessee and did a really nice job as so, a true freshman.
0: I, yeah, I mean, it's you know, Alabama's had some guys do it. I think Clemson's had some guys do it. If you, bottom line is, if you're good enough to do it. You can do it. So um, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Trey Smith did it. You know he started every yeah. game and played three different positions, um, and had a great, pretty good individual year. Uh, so uh, they need you know wherever Crouch goes, if he's inside linebacker, outside linebacker, or both, they need his athleticism on the field. Now he's got to figure out what he's doing. But
1: yeah, I have a, I have a theory that if he had if he had enrolled in the summer and they were just going into preseason camp. I'd, I think they'd probably just say screw it and put him at outside linebacker and say go hit the quarterback, and then we'll teach you the rest along the way. I think getting him in in January, you say, okay, we're going to give you a few practices inside, and we're going to see if you can learn the defense that way. Because if you can play inside linebacker, you can darn sure play outside linebacker. Uh, but sometimes it's harder to go from outside to inside. So uh, I, I I like that strategy. I don't know if that's the reason. Maybe they just, maybe well, they just decided Bre- he'd be better fit there, but it makes sense to me.
0: Pruitt Bre- kind of... He kind of mentioned that learning the defense was part of the reason. Now, obviously, Darren Kirkland's injury takes a little bit of their depth away there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not like they're blessed with a lot of depth at outside linebacker, though, either, if we're being honest. They need, no. they need some help there. Um, but he said it's easier to learn, you know, the defense inside maybe,
1: out. Maybe, maybe a much slimmer, or maybe they
0: want him to learn the yeah. defense inside out.
1: M- maybe, maybe a uh, a slimmer Kevon Bennett could could help him there. He's you talking about got a the, chance. you talk about all the guys who have gained weight. Uh, that guy dropped weight, and I think he gave some of that weight to Shannon uh, to Shannon <laughs> Reed there. Potentially, my, my goodness, I mean that was that you know he he looks slimmer for sure. Um, and, and it's a big, you know, there's a lot of guys there at that position that it's a huge, you know, Jordan Allen. Let's see what you got. You know, you, you were going to go in the portal now you're not. Let's see what you got. DeAndre Johnson. Are you just gonna be a guy or can you be a dude? Like there's all kinds of all kinds of storylines there too. But to me, and again, when we're out there for practice, we don't see everything because there's not enough time and we don't we don't see enough of the periods to see everything. But at the time that we were out there, and I'm trying to get to these pictures, defensively, the thing that that stood out to me the most from the first day aside from, you know, uh, Shannon Reed looking like he ate the old Shannon Reed um, in the past three months, uh, to me, uh, watching Elante Taylor play a little bit, he spent basically an entire period at safety. And that's interesting to me because you would think, okay, you know, Bryce Thompson's pretty good. You know, you you feel good about him on an island. And, you know, Taylor was a little bit up and down, maybe at at corner, but when he was good, he was really good. Um, But he's a guy who physically looks great and a guy who you know can make some plays. So maybe, they, maybe they're maybe they just trying to teach him a little bit of everything, but he was out there a little bit, and then he moved back to the corners, but he was with the safeties for a bit, and maybe he's a guy who can cross-train.
0: Yeah, maybe he's a guy that they're looking to, to play inside some. Star. Uh, star, money, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think those three guys at the top there at corner are pretty uh, entrenched, but – uh, to go back to cr- to Crouch real quick, and, and yeah, Pruitt, said, uh, Pruitt said after practice that it's easy uh, to yeah, learn the uh, defense uh, from inside out.
1: I pivoted too quickly.
0: No, it's fine. I, I'm going to we we need to talk about Taylor, so it's good he brought him up. But um, and, and you think about it, if you, you know, if you have to play middle linebacker in this defense, there's a lot of responsibility on you there. If you're going to play inside, you got to know what a lot of the other people are doing. Um, and if you know that, then transitioning the outside linebacker would be easier than going vice versa. But I do think there is some. Credence to the the theory that you have that if he was showing up in the summer that they would just say hey we'll get your athleticism on the field go rush the passer on passing downs just, and keep it simple there but uh, because they've got time and because he's going to get a lot of reps this spring with the way they practice it's a chance for him to go learn the defense that way um, with Taylor he's another guy that looks a lot different from last year he does not look like a freshman anymore nope. he looks like a sophomore that's had a really good year uh, in the weight room and it's he, funny because
1: we say they're sophomores. And they're still have not finished their first year of school <laughs> academically. They're yeah. still academically speaking
0: freshmen. And and, and he and, and Thompson, um, they went through a drill right at the end of the pra- part of practice that we were at where the cornerbacks came over and they went up against the wide receivers and it was sort of a get off the line drill. Uh, and it was a chance for, uh, for the, the cornerbacks to uh, – work on their press coverage and work on doing the techniques that, that Pruitt is going to drill them on every day, cutting guys off, getting, you know, leveraging the receiver the right way, depending on the route that he runs, getting your ball, getting your head around to look for the ball, all those things. And just about every time that Bryce Thompson, Alante Taylor went, they did it like they were supposed to. And they were going against, you know, Tennessee's got a pretty good receiving core, I think uh, maybe at the top, especially, but those two guys were, were doing everything right just about every time. The rest of the group didn't do it that way, but they kind of, both did example like reps like yeah and you want those guys leading the line and you you could hear Taylor he was if if a guy behind him one of his teammates did a good job he was letting him know about it you could hear it you can you know when they were going through uh drills across the field from us you could hear him you know you can kind of tell I don't want to say he's got a new lease on life but um I think he was excited to get out there and I think he maybe he's you know sort of a vocal player anyway but Um, and and Pruitt said afterwards that, you know, when they moved him last year, of course, this time a year ago, Alante Taylor was practicing at wide receiver
1: where he wanted to be.
0: Yeah. Where he wanted to be. He always kind of viewed himself as a guy that, that played, that, that played in college with the ball in his hands. What he did, he was a quarterback in high school, wide receiver in high school. Had a lot of yards and touchdowns and points, and so when you do that, you get used to it. You want yeah, that glory
1: when you're when you're used to the ball in your hands. But, you, that's what you think. But you But should there be were
0: doing. some some people. There were some college coaches and programs that uh, of a of a very high caliber, Alabama and Georgia among them. Pruitt being at Alabama, that thought his upside was higher on defense. Um, and, and he said, and Pruitt was pretty blunt afterwards in saying, talking about Taylor uh, after practice, saying he wants to play defensive back now. He didn't want to when we moved him, so. Uh, and he and he was completely new to the position. He played some defensive back in high school, but the way Pruitt described it is he'd go back there and stand at safety.
1: yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's I'm the a, best
0: I, way. That's I, like such a Jeremy Way Jeremy Pruitt way of uh, explaining something. He uh, he just went back, stood back there and played safety.
1: yeah, he just kind of stood back there and walked around,
0: saw the ball, went down, chased down the ball. Yeah. That's what he did
1: in general, though, I, I'm a big fan of now, I, I think that I'm not like a, you know, you got to put the the square peg, you know, in the square hole all the time, kind of guy. I think you can look outside the box some, but I, I do think that in general, I like defensive backs who played quarterback in high school because I think they've had to think about the way an offense works, uh, and they can do that at wide receiver too. But if they did it at quarterback, they really had to understand a little bit about coverages, about why somebody was doing something, and the consequences of, you know, when you were looking the wrong way or when you got. You got faked on something. These guys are, are, are well-versed in that. If they've played quarterback at even a decent high school program that wasn't just like a snap the ball to the quarterback and run some spread stuff and there you go. But I like guys who do that because they've had to think, and, and it helps you on that side of the ball. And, and I like – you know, Taylor, he at times did struggle last season. And he was and he was really bad at the end of the year. He just – I don't know if he hit a wall. I don't know if he got dinged up. I don't know if uh, somebody just figured out something on film where they could expose him, uh, but he got exposed a little
0: bit. And Well, I, one of the guys that exposed him, or two two of the guys that exposed him were uh, Drew Locke, who was as dialed in that day as, as he's probably ever been. And, and Emmanuel Hall, I don't know, you know, he did pretty good at the combine the other day. Another good in-state guy that Tennessee if, if whiffed if, on. If, if
1: he'll catch the ball, which sounds pretty simple for a wide receiver, but it, he's not his best suit. Like, when he consistently catches the ball, he's got every other tool in the bag.
0: Yeah, and, and that was a tough matchup for Alante, and up to that point he'd been solid. You know, he was the only guy in that West Virginia game that you weren't like, oh, he got torched. Um he was you know, he kept his targets and catches down there. But um yeah, he, I wonder if the end of the season maybe fueled him a little bit. Um but I, I think the bigger thing is If you're a
1: competitor it should.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's a competitor. Um and I think the staff probably didn't let it go unnoticed. Um, you know, they're probably not harping on it now. They might be, I don't know. Pruitt said they're not talking about last year, but if you want to keep a guy motivated, just keep saying, Hey, you gotta play manual hall every weekend this year. You know, get that in his head. Uh, you know, remember what Emmanuel Hall did to you, and and that if a guy's got the right kind of makeup, and and Taylor seems to have that kind of makeup, the way he kind of carried himself today, just you know, seeing him in practice, and the way he kind of carried himself in some moments last year, that should fuel him.
1: He's got the he's got the the tat game of a badass. Yes. I'll say that for sure. Yes, like that. He he has got the tat game down strong. But
0: but you know, going back to what he him playing defensive back in high school versus him playing defensive back at the SEC level, I think you know, there's a lot of techniques that you got to learn playing cornerback and, you know, you make one false step or, you know, one wrong move, you know, you may have good coverage on a guy, but if you're a half step off, drew drew Locke will whistle that back shoulder throw right by your hole. <laughs> That's what happened a couple of times in that game last season. So, uh, I, I think there's a, there's a limited number of guys who can do what a lot of these guys do in high school, which is they get by because they're better. They have more talent than people. Now we have train. shout out to the train in the background.
1: Again, we're in a room that's a little bit louder uh, than the studio is, so this is what you get.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember my point. So th- there, there are guys. You know, a lot of these guys that go to the SEC that come to Tennessee, they were they were the boss in high school. They were great. They were good because they were talented. They were bigger, stronger, more talented than everybody else. A s- select few of those guys can still do it at, at the college level. The elite talents yeah. can do it. Yeah. But for a lot of guys, there's that adjustment time where you've got to like learn how to play at this level. And and I think Taylor may be a good example of that, and and maybe even Thompson to a little bit of a degree too. And there's other guys too. But we're you know since we're talking about these guys, I'll I'll just mention them that you got to learn how to play play like an SEC cornerback. Yeah. And and, and you you know, got, in you high got, school you can get by with your natural yeah. gifts. Now you can't because these guys are just as talented as you are on the other side.
1: So if they're technically better than you, they're going to burn you. Yes. If they're smarter than you, they're going to burn you.
0: If they're more experienced than you, in some cases, they're going to burn
1: you. Yes and that that is important. Oh, did that not seem like excessive train honking by the way like wh- I know we're like you know we're we're I think exactly 2.8 or 2.9 miles away from from campus right now or from downtown and so you know maybe there's more crossings but didn't that seem like an excessive number of of horns? Uh, maybe he was just happy,
0: or maybe somebody was in his way. You know? I, it maybe just, he hurt maybe he he's a loyal goval maybe the conductor or her do we call them conductors? Do that? Engineers? I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he's a go. Maybe he knew that you could hear it from his house, and he wanted to give himself a shout out.
1: I know the end was the caboose because when I was a little kid, I used to get so excited waiting on the caboose to come by because it was painted red, and I was like, "Let's see it! Let's see it! There it is!" But yeah, I mean, just I'm just saying it seemed like an excessive number of honks. Before we get out of here, Pat, I, I, we talked about this a little bit in the roundtable, but I think we should probably discuss it a little bit now. The things that we are looking for the most out of this spring because we'll have time the next couple weeks, you know, four or five weeks to discuss, you know, where are they where are they making progress in these areas and where are they not making enough. But, you know, what's interesting is the place that I'm most fascinated to see are the places where it's going to be the hardest to see whether they've made improvement or not. And, and that's sort of kind of the, 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 the crux of it is that it's you, – you really want to know, but it's going to be tough to know. And, and what I mean by that is the offensive line and the defensive line are both – in kind of transition moments, the offensive line is trying has a lot of the same guys, but they're bigger um, and trying to figure out some stuff at the tackle spots. And the defensive line, you know, the, there's three guys last year, the seniors, they weren't all world guys, but they were solid players, and, and they were they were experienced players. And now you've got a new line of guys coming in there. You know, your 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 Goodens and and Minces and Garland's and and those types of guys, and you're thinking, how good are they? And so you really want to know how much improvement Tennessee has made on each side of the line of scrimmage, but because there's, you know, it's like trying to get a math question equation when you don't have a defined number on either side. Yeah. You're trying to do almost theoretical mathematics. It's, it's, it's impossible to know, at least to, to laymen like we are, you know, you, you look at, you know, and by that I mean we're not, you know, SEC football coaches, just how much better or worse have they gotten there? And if the O-line goes out there and crushes the defensive line, does that mean the offensive line has gotten a lot better? Or does it mean this new defensive line is going to be hurting all season or needs a huge summer? We, we won't really know. Or, you know, flip that around. Maybe maybe this defensive line class, maybe these guys coming up, are ready to make a big surge. And they just crush the offensive line all spring. And we think, oh, well, that's not good for the offensive line. Well, maybe it's maybe it's – just really good news for the defensive line. So that's what I'm looking for the most is a place that's going to be really hard to identify is – because because the way Tennessee played last year on the line of scrimmage was not good enough to be a competitor for any sort of a even an SEC Eastern Division title. It just was not good enough. And I don't care what system you're running – I don't care. You can you can go out there and run the old Nebraska option stuff. You can go out there and have a you know offensive line splits wide enough to to drive a Volkswagen through like, like Mike Leach does, you know, or do anything in between. I don't care what system you've got. If you cannot block, you cannot win. You just can't. And on the defensive line, if you can't get to the quarterback and affect him without bringing a blitz you're probably not going to win. And so Tennessee has got to make the biggest strides forward there. They're so hard to recruit. They're so hard to develop. They're so hard to identify. But the good teams are good up front. And Tennessee was not good up front last season, and Tennessee needs to get better. And to me, that's where you know you need to see big strides physically. You need to see these guys looking the part. You need to see some guys emerging a little quicker in some cases, you know, playing a little tougher. You just – they need to get better there. And to me, that is the most critical thing I think for this team – this spring, I mean, a lot of people say a lot of other things, and they won't necessarily be wrong. Well, I think those I are the just two think,
0: biggest question marks. I don't, I don't think there's any debate there. I,
1: I mean, you know, because you know, you talk about Garantano needing to get better. Yeah, and you still and got your detractors there yeah. that not
0: point him out, saying he's the weak link or whatever. I don't, I don't buy that. I, you know, when he's, we saw him last year when he was given time to throw. was pretty good when he's not good. running for his life. <laughs> yeah, and when he's not hurting because he get hit, he ne- gets hit ne- every third play.
1: Needs to identify fronts a little better. Needs to identify coverages a little better. Needs to make quicker decisions. But I don't think he was completely subpar in those areas. He just, you had to be incredibly gifted. You had to be almost a Houdini like Dobbs or somebody to get out of some of those jams he got put in last season. And I think we got numb to how special Dobbs was in that way. I try to tell people at the time, don't get numb to this. The way he escapes the pocket, but he makes up for so many bad offensive line performances because he just is preternaturally gifted enough to get you out of those situations and Garantano's is a pocket guy mostly. He he's athletic but he's not he's not a guy who could go out there and play wide receiver tomorrow. He's not that athletic. He's he's a, he's a drop back a modern dropback quarterback probably. And so, especially when he's got a neck injury and a knee injury like he did all last season from getting killed. But I you know, you could say all those things. But my bottom line is it gets back to if you don't play better up front on both sides of the ball, you are not going to win. You're going to be right where you were last season and people around here are going to start to get angry.
0: Yeah, and, and I, think, I think there's reason to think the offensive line is moving in the right direction. First of all, they can't get much worse. I mean, this, this situation, um, it, it took a couple of years of bad luck, mismanagement, poor recruiting evaluations to get to this point, or to get to the point that it got to. And so um, I think there were the five guys that they brought in in this recruiting class are going to change things. Now the, all those guys aren't going to play this year. I, I think Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright can play this year. I think the other three guys are more developmental. Wright's, but up, you have, Wright's
1: also developmentally he, – he's a developmental guy from a kind of a mental and a quickness standpoint. Now from a size and power standpoint, he's ready to plug yeah, and play.
0: He may not be ready, and there's probably reason – it's probably safe to say that you would expect there's a better chance of Wanya Morris being a day-one starter than Darnell Wright just because Wanya's here. Um, but – uh, they're going to get Brandon Kennedy back. I think any of any scenario where you're picking out Tennessee's best offensive line, he's at center. Um, and I think Jameer Johnson is going to be bigger, and uh, he's still listed at 270. I don't know if that's just a mistake on the roster. He's not 270 pounds. No, he's bigger. Pruitt said in February he was 297. So if he's around the 300-pound range with the way that guy plays, he could be uh, – he he could be your tone setter up front.
1: Or yeah, or he's had like some sort of a horrible stomach bug for the past true, you know, couple months and he's back it, down.
0: Yes, I mean, I suppose it's true, but uh, I, I'm operating under the assumption he's around 300 pounds. He looked I bigger. Think that, I think that's fair. Um, and, and you've you've seen some of the work that these guys have put in, and uh, and you've seen some of the experience that they got last year. That should help them. I, I think the big thing with this offensive line is what you want to see. And again, this is not going to be going to be able to judge this right now. Is you want to see fewer just whiffs? You want to see fewer busts and mistakes and situations where Ryan Johnson snaps the ball and goes the complete wrong way, and the guy lined up six inches from his face hits the quarterback before he can even like turn and get three steps off. Yeah. That's you need to see less of that. And part of that, you know, was some of that on Garantano last year, not picking up blindside blitz or not, you know, picking up guys off the corners and things like that, possibly. But for situations where guys are just coming free up the middle, those are mistakes on the offensive line. And I don't know if it was what they were playing schematically. I'm not smart enough to understand all that. I don't know if Jim Cheney's going to come in and change how they how they scheme things up up front. I, I don't. I don't know the answer to those questions, and, and they may not know them at this point either. But I think that's where you need to see the most basic amount of improvement from Tennessee's offensive line. I don't know that we'll get a chance to really evaluate that because we're not going to see any team ball yeah, in the spring. It, yeah. But
1: it, if you're you know, it's one thing. If you line up and you play the proper technique, and someone just physically runs around you—that's a Jimmy Joe's you, issue. Yeah, that's not your fault, bro. It's like you want to go Goodwill hunting on them. It's not your fault. Well, yeah, it's not your fault. That, thats genetics and that's recruiting from a previous staff, and that is what it is. You cannot. There are some things that you just you can't do anything about. But what you can control is whether you know where to be and whether you know that the guy sinks inches from your face does not get a clean shot at your quarterback. That's what you have to know. If you can just eliminate that before you can be great, maybe you can't be great this season, but be better, be okay. Don't, don't do, <laughs> don't do dumb things, you know, be, because physically you're still going to get outmanned sometimes. So when you complicate that or, or when you, you know, make that even worse by just missing assignments, yeah. you're, you're hurting. So just, do the do the small things.
0: And, and maybe I don't know if what's the say so, It
1: says do your job.
0: I don't know if that some of that that happened last year was due, down to inexperience. I don't know if it was down to they were playing a new system that they weren't used to. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if I have a clear answer on that. But uh, I think that's if they can get that part down in the spring. I think a lot of the other things are coming into place. They've got bigger guys now. They should be able to hold up physically because these guys are they're not going to be starting three guys that were under 300 pounds like they were last year, which Correct. is unheard of. So. <clears throat> and, and and again, I think if if you've got Kennedy and you've got Jameer Johnson there, I think those are two building blocks, and you can kind of go from there. We saw, or it looked like, three or four guys today were working at different positions. So I think they're going to be cross training some guys to build some flexibility and figure out where their best lineup is. And they'll have to see what happens when Wright gets here, and and if maybe one of those other guys that uh, that's coming in is better than we think. Eperaegani um, and Melvin Bright are both.
1: They need some of that.
0: They they are. Um, Developmental guys, because they haven't played a lot of football. Um, I think Iparagane only played for three years. McBride's only played it for two. So those guys are probably a little raw coming in. On the defensive line, I, it's tough to evaluate but that all, position. Old
1: Dirty Bastard likes it raw, so that's okay.
0: Uh, on the defensive line, I don't I – don't, it's going to be hard to judge because you don't have a complete group here and you don't know what the Aubrey Solomon situation is. If he's eligible to play next season, I think that changes things quite a bit because I think he's – we made the point with Gibb, with D'Angelo Gibbs being it looked like a, he looked like a guy that's been in a major college program for two yeah. years. Yeah, he big. I didn't get a good look at Solomon on Thursday. Looked pretty good. But I imagine he's probably in the same boat. Physically, he probably looks phys- like a guy that, physically can, looks pretty good. that can play. And, and some people, you know, have wondered, oh, he hasn't proven it. He was pretty good as a freshman at Michigan. And he was mm-hmm. playing a guy he was playing behind a guy named Mo Hurst who You've probably heard of. He's a pretty good player. I think he was all first all be all Big Ten first teamer. Uh, I think he might have been a first-round pick. There were some issues there. I I don't know all the details, but maybe some uh, injury Harba- issues. Got Harbaugh. Something happened. I don't know. Um But he he was a guy you that was pretty good player. You just want to say something player. bad about Harbaugh, don't you? No, I don't. Well, I mean, yeah. If 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 Aubrey Solomon comes here and it has an All-American season, then I'm gonna let, I I will make Jim Harbaugh tweets every day. <laughs>
1: Hey, remember when? It, it, remember, I, remember when he had Aubrey Solomon? Well, that'd be like the Alvin Kamara getting the ball six times. I, I hope
0: that uh, I hope that that he does that, and we get to talk to Aubrey, and I can be like, "What are your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh? Because he sucks." Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I think he sucks. Yeah, um, but, I, th-
1: I think that the judge would say that, or the, they would say that, that's uh, over. That, that judge would be like, uh, "Yeah, that's that's leading the witness. That <laughs> that, that 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 objection uh, is sustained."
0: But you know, his numbers, and you know, defensive line, it's it's hard to go off just the numbers. And he didn't have a big role, um, but he graded out really well in the Pro f- Football Focus numbers. Yep. And he had a what they call a stuff rate, which is one of these advanced stats that now everybody pays attention to. That was just as good as Hurst in a limited set, in a limited skill set, or a limited um, rep count. Yeah, in, in a limited snaps. He you know he didn't play starters role, starter snaps, but just a handful of games. He was pretty good against the run, and so that's what you know. If you get him eligible, I think he's a starter, and I think we have to operate that he's not going to get eligible until he is. Now, he could get eligible. There's some optimism. That's that the
1: way I would recommend doing it for, for Tennessee that, fans that, right that,
0: now. That's, there's some optimism, I think, behind the scenes that given that 80% of these guys that are transferring are getting them, that he has a chance. He's moving closer to home. There's some injury situation. I, I don't know all the details. We probably won't know all the details. But he seems like he would have um, a much better chance of getting cleared than Gibbs, who's coming from an SEC rival and who was sort of in the doghouse and had some ups and downs down in Georgia. So, um, but the other part of the, the but if, of line equation—if
1: if Fields gets it, then someone from the same program. Wow. I mean that.
0: Hey, uh, we hey. don't. We just. We don't know what Fields used, though. That's the thing. We don't know if it was that situation. I, I think we got
1: a pretty good idea. That's what he used. We think we, we don't we, know. We don't know, but we think. We, we think. think.
0: Um, and, and you got the the two guys coming in in the uh, in the summer and Savion Williams, who is uh, the number one. Defensive tackle, junior college prospect in our twenty four seven sports. They deposit. need him to be good. Um, they they need, really like him.
1: They need him to be a plug and play. They don't need a guy who's a JUCO showing up out of shape. They need him showing up like a JUCO ready to ball.
0: And and, and Daryl Middleton, I think, is probably more of a rotation guy to start off with. He hasn't played football in a couple years before this past year.
1: But uh, I tell you, I remember that kid in high school. Did, athletically, he is a he is if he if he has not lost his athleticism. In the past couple and, of years, and he played oh, for you, pretty he, good junior college he, program. Athletically, for for a kid that size in high school, he could move.
0: Yeah, and again, if he's if he comes in in shape and, and motivated, and and um, is able to somehow between now and then shake off the rust. You know, he didn't play like I said. He didn't play for a couple of years there uh, before this past season. He's got he's a guy that's got three years of eligibility left. So yeah, he, he's maybe a little bit more. I don't say developmental, but he's not as ready made as as Williams is, and so you know, there's just so many unknowns there. You don't know, you know, if you get Solomon eligible and Williams comes in, he's the real deal. You pair those two guys with him at Gooden, that's not a bad situation.
1: I think if Gooden, if Gooden gets the most out of his ability, he's a really good player. He, now, he, he if, was... If he, if, he, if he flips that switch and does it, because even Pruitt amid last year, there's times when you watch him on film and you go, whoa. Well,
0: you need, and the, then you there's need times more of that, when, And yeah. then you
1: watch him on film sometimes and you go, ugh. You know, it just depends on the snap. And, and that's what you get sometimes with Juco guys.
0: And, and frankly, that's probably the best case scenario for Tennessee is those three guys being your starters because that doesn't mean you have to play a guy like John Mincy or Karat Garland 45, 50 snaps a game, even though they may not be ready. Now the staff, like they, they like both of those guys, and, and those by those guys have each put in Mincy's some good work. has
1: got a little mean streak in him that I like and for a defensive lineman. We
0: talk about Karat Garland going from 275 to 303. I think Mincy was at 264 last year. He's at 280 now.
1: Getting he's, there. He's
0: bigger. He, he, um, he's
1: almost in that critical factor territory now. And,
0: and so, you know, I, I don't know what to expect from Greg Emerson. He He's still
1: There's some TBD a, on me. There's some health issues know, there that there. he needs yeah. to get past.
0: And, and Kingston Harris is a big body we'll have to see. He spent all of last season on offense. So who knows yeah. what to expect there. They've got a couple other guys there that played tight end last year and Cowboy College, Aquane Blakely. Who's put on more than twenty something pounds. I'm never gonna since give last up last season. I'm never gonna give up on him. And Latrell just... Bumpus is over there and, and if he can't make it work at defensive line, then He
1: he is he is I think he's my new Rudy. <laughs> like he, No, 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 likely. The cow when he, <laughs> as soon as he put on that cowboy collar, I went, you know what? You're a new man now.
0: What did you think when he uh was at fullback one play and blocked the wrong guy?
1: A little rough start. You know, I've I've seen.
0: I think that was his only like one of his only snaps on offense that, all last season.
1: That was just like, well, you know, here's what I think. I think the guy who he was supposed to block just ran away from him. That that's my story. <laughs> Is ran I away think, from
0: him and right to the running back.
1: He saw that and he was like, I just bro, I want no part of this. And I, I just I can't. I see that cowboy collar and I go, Ugh, I can't I can't do it. But you know what? That that's kind of like like it was this morning. Uh, trying to record the podcast Thursday morning uh, with with Wrigley here. He and Grant Ramey did not see eye to eye, and there were some construction noises going on. But I, I think you know what. Let's be honest. I think we got to give him credit. To the little guy. He's, he's hung in there. He's done he, a good job. He has he has hung in there for this hour. Of course, I've he's been in my lap for literally the entire podcast.
0: I have a calming effect on dogs because I'm a dog person.
1: I'm I'm an
0: animal person. Like I, I'm, I'm inclined to think that all dogs love me.
1: I'm I'm a like dogs and cats. You heard like,
0: me. I was like, let me hold him. Let me get acquainted to him. Yeah, I I, I did
1: <laughs> I did test that once when we were at the farm because there's it, it, at the family farm there there's a couple of a uh, couple of of jackasses that my dad just does not he hated them so much he refused to even name them. It's like what are the names? He goes, don't care. You're talking. You're actually
0: talking about actual donkeys, right?
1: Yeah, and you know they're in there to to you know protect the cattle, and so they were in their own separate pen basically. And I was like, you know, animals love me. You know that. Just here. He was like, he's like, all right, hot shot. Here's an apple and a carrot. Go see what happens. And he's just sitting there like, well, I'm going to watch this. And so I walk up there and I'm trying to, to feed it. And all of a sudden, before anything could even, before I even really got there, it had already started turning around. And when they turn around on you, that means the kick is coming next. And you do not want like that's you do not want that kick so i was like okay those animals maybe don't like me but other animals in general dogs cats all of them uh even crime dog i, I can go pick them up and somebody else tries to not gonna work out for him but thank you wrigley for for behaving today i think we can all we can all appreciate that and we can also say that um the fact that you don't like grant ramey probably says more about grant ramey than you i agree I think we can admit that, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have a we'll have a obviously there's a ton going on with hoops, and we will have a hoops podcast after that game at Auburn at some point uh, that night or the next day to talk about Tennessee going into the the postseason, which obviously is a team that could cut down nets. So what we got plenty to discuss there. I'm um, wondering,
0: do you think they'll cut down Auburn's nets if they win Saturday?
1: We talked about that, and Ramey said it would be too disrespectful, and so it definitely wouldn't happen.
0: Oh, it's not going to happen, but they should try. They should just ask. I, SBP if they'll give him a, I a said, ladder and some
1: scissors. You know like the laundry hamper nets or like the little Nerf nets? <laughs> they should bring those in the locker room and let them cut those down in the locker room just in case. I think that could be a really funny like social media moment. I think they should probably think about doing that.
0: Or just come back here and cut them down here in your, in your own arena.
1: Yeah, have that's good.
0: is there a concert going on Saturday night at Thompson Bowling? We don't know. Have a little
1: party. Have a little yeah. party. Although there's not a floor in Thompson Bowling right now, it's just like the mm-hmm. concrete right now. So that's
0: probably some going on.
1: All that stuff got taken down already because there's no more basketball games this season. So they have to go to Pratt and do it, but hey, maybe they can go down to Pratt and cut the nuts there. So, uh, and we'll have more about baseball too because that Tennessee baseball team is off to a record 13 and 0 start, uh, still leading the country, I believe, in earned run average, or right there ne- near it. Uh, It's going to be fun because they're playing Fresno State this weekend, and Fresno State's opening night starter Friday uh, can reach the 100 mark and is a uh, high round, maybe a first-round draft pick. So that's going to be a a fun game. We'll have plenty to talk about there too. As always, you can find us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P twenty 247 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, twenty four seven on Twitter. We are also, as a staff, on Twitter at twitter.com slash GoVols247. Uh, we got a Facebook page that we're really proud of. You can go there at facebook.com slash twenty 247 Or if you want to drink straight from the hose, guys, and drink that water right from the hose, go to GoVols247.com. Where right now, we've got a really good deal by one month get two months free
0: that's three for the price of one
1: that's the other way to put that there are two ways to phrase that and you being the best friend of me ever have gone the other direction can't potato say, potato can't say I'm really surprised by that uh, Pat you got any final thoughts no do you want to try to pet Wrigley and see what noise he makes no at the end of the podcast nope. Wrigley you got any final thoughts no he's just looking at the microphone